0: So much more news continues to happen, Uh, they just keep giving us more and more things to talk about when it comes to OU football and uh, the full squad's back after a great Christmas and New Year's. Uh, Tyler, Corbin, guys, how are we doing? How was your Christmas?
1: Well, it's two weeks since we've recorded, Adam. Uh,
0: Has anything significant happened
1: in the last two weeks? Um, No, I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year with your families. I know it's been crazy the last 14 days, especially yesterday. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about tonight, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Also got the uh, OU Baylor game on now. I believe the Sooners are down eight here in Waco. Uh, They battled guys, but you know, Baylor's 13-0 in the number one team in the country for a reason. So uh, don't expect the Sooners to win this one, but uh, putting up a good fight down there in Waco. But guys, let's just hop straight into it. Obviously, huge news yesterday with Caleb Williams announcing he is going to be um, headed to the transfer portal. And just for context, going to go ahead and just read off his nice little paragraph note um, You know that he sent out to <clears throat> the Twitter space. This season has been incredible. Words can't describe the amount of love I have for my teammates, coaches, and the Sooner Nation. The support everyone has shown me couldn't be more appreciated. Uh, you guys are the best. Uh, didn't that make you feel, guys? Feel, feel good, guys. Just we're the best. Um, all as you know, uh, the sudden changes this season sent shockwaves through Sooner Nation, and we're really hard for the whole team. Proud of what we did. Um, you know, this whole season, especially the last four weeks, I think we. All come to college to find our own path and prepare for the future. I came to Oklahoma with a game plan, but with all the recent changes I need to figure out what is the right path for me moving forward according to NCAA rules as a student athlete. The only way I can speak to the other schools and see who may offer the best preparation and development for my future career is by entering the transfer portal. Staying at OU will definitely be an option as I begin this process. I'm gonna take a few days off to decompress and relax with my family, but thank you all again Everyone for the love and support. Guys, initial thoughts to Caleb Williams. I think we kind of all saw it coming, but now it's actually uh, out there and official. How are we feeling?
0: I mean, it feels so weird. Um, You know, there's a lot of discussion right now about whether this is what Caleb really wants, or maybe it's, you know, part of his handlers, parents, whoever else might be influencing those choices and and actions, but it just feels weird. It feels really weird after how Lincoln left um, and he didn't immediately, you know, tie himself to Lincoln. I think there's maybe some um, distaste for the way that he left the program. And then now he's leaving us you know, too, at the same point. And it's like, man, we, we went through that together and now you're choosing to jump ship. I don't necessarily blame him for that. Like I, I, I understand maybe not wanting to, to, to stick around in a place without the coach that you came here for, but man, it just feels weird. He stuck around for the bowl game. He didn't have to do that. Um, you know, he, by all accounts, looked like he was having a great time with his teammates, guys that he loved and has a great coach and Jeff Levy that really can't get a whole lot better than that. But I, I hate to reduce it down to just highest bidder, but that kind of feels like where we are. I
1: want to start out by saying I have absolutely no problem with Caleb Williams leaving Oklahoma. He committed to this school because he wanted to be coached. He wanted to play for Lincoln Riley. When Lincoln left, I honestly thought uh, that Caleb would enter the transfer portal maybe one to two days after the fact. But you've got to respect Caleb for wanting to kind of hang around, play in the Alamo Bowl because he knew himself that if he played in this game, he gave his team the best chance to win, uh, and he wanted to to close out the year strong, finish it on a high note, Uh, and ultimately win the Alamo Bowl, which is what this team did. Now, with all that being said, I want to look and talk about the statement he came out with yesterday when announcing his decision to enter the portal. And there was one or two lines that kind of stuck out to me, and it was, I can speak with other schools and see which schools may offer the best preparation and development for my future career, although staying at OU will definitely be an option as I begin this process. Guys, to me, this move has less to do with professional development, you know, that's kind of BS. Let's go ahead and call that for what it is. To me, it kind of feels like Caleb and his team, it almost feels like he's got an entire, I don't know, administration in his corner right now that's kind of going throughout this process and making these decisions along with him. Caleb and his team are going to, are doing this to field what other offers are out there and to see what that what place is going to give him the most uh, give him the most. So that's simply the world that we live in nowadays with college football offseason turning into free agency, uh, especially with NIL being such uh, you know a huge factor uh, moving forward. But let's call it for what it is. We've all heard what's been reported. He's fielding offers from different schools to see where he can go to maximize his brand both on and
2: off the field. It's uh, quite something, guys, you know, I was listening to a few different podcasts last night and, you know, things were implied that Caleb and his team, as you mentioned, Tyler, are kind of looking for stake ownership in company stocks, kind of more of like this long-term play that we haven't really heard of before. It's... It's different. It's bizarre. I don't know how many companies are going to step up and give you know a nineteen twenty year old a uh, stake in their company, or maybe like a voice at the table and like where the company goes. That seems quite strange. I, am I am I alone in that? That seems like you know you're asking for the world, and any smart businessman would probably say no to that.
1: I well, would think so. He's played six games. He's
2: and on played six games.
1: And almost lost to Kansas. And again, we're going to give him credit. He's extremely talented. You can see the potential that is there. And there's obviously a reason why OU fans want him to stick around. But let's not forget, he's played six games. He lost two out of the last three. Didn't win a Big 12 championship. Didn't make it to a college football playoff. Didn't make didn't make it to New York as a Heisman Trophy final. So I could see him thinking and his team thinking that, you know, we should be getting a bigger piece of the pie uh, at whatever destination that we end up going to. But, I mean... You lost. You were what five and two as a starter. Barely had to squeak out a win over Kansas. So I kind of get why he feels like his stock is so high because going into next year, outside of CJ Stroud uh, and Bryce Young, he's going to probably be the third best quarterback in the country. Um, but I, I just think maybe maybe he's expecting a little bit too much, or maybe he thinks that his brand is a little bit higher and his value is higher than what it actually is at this point right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, everyone remembers your highlights. They don't remember the lowlights nearly as much. So people are thinking of the OU-Texas game and really just that one. He had some good ones against TCU and Texas Tech, but um, but they're going to remember the you know coming in and, and unseating uh, Spencer Rattler, who everybody was super high on. So that gonna, is going to give you even more uh, notoriety, I guess, so to speak. So uh, I just kind of feel like this is where we're headed. Anytime someone unexpectedly, even though he was a five-star, he wasn't expected to play this year, um anytime that can be happens that someone unexpectedly rises into the spotlight becomes a hot name um i think you're going to see this happen a lot where a guy enters the transfer portal and says okay who's who's the highest bidder at this point i'm going to make mine and that's i think we're we're and we'll have tons of time to talk about this in the offseason and explore it further but we're facing the reality a hard reality as fans realizing that oh these guys really don't care about the school in the same way that that we do and Uh, We project that on them far too often that, oh, they love it just as much as we do, but it's really not true. They're really just there to, you know, get theirs. And in some ways that's fine, but it's frustrating. And and I think maybe with Caleb Williams too, that there is maybe some other people that are controlling his decision-making process and he has less of a hand in that.
2: Yeah guys, let's shift here because obviously uh I did not expect OU to have a reaction, nonetheless, a public reaction or a public statement being put out on the uh the Twitter sphere. I don't know how I feel about this, but you know, gonna read it just like I did the last one. Um, you know, a joint message from Joe Castiglione and Brent Venables, Caleb Williams enjoyed an exciting and impactful first season at the University of Oklahoma, and we will continue to be engaged with him and his family on a comprehensive plan for his development as a student athlete and a quarterback, including a path to graduation and strategic leveraging of NIL opportunities. While We believe OU provides Caleb the best opportunities uh, to develop as a player and realize his goals for college and beyond. We respect his right to explore his options following key staffing changes here. OU's commitment to student-athlete development and its powerful track record of preparing players for the next level, including excuse me, including quarterbacks for NFL, is unparalleled. Jeff Levy is one of the most elite offensive coordinators and quarterback developers in the country. With the players we know are returning and new ones on the way, we will continue to be explosive on offense under his direction in this program, which has won more games than any other since 1999, is blessed with talented individuals up and down the roster on its coaching staff. We stand ready to build on the momentum of last year's 11 wins and bowl victory and continue OU's longstanding championship tradition. Uh, Guys, I thought it was weird. I didn't think it needed to be said, um, but they did it anyway. It seems like anytime something major seems to happen, OU just wants to get in front of it right, wrong or indifferent. What are our thoughts here?
1: Well, in the statement, it kind of goes against what Joe C. and Bob said a few weeks ago where, you know, not one player or coach is bigger than the program and, you know, Oklahoma is going to be Oklahoma with or without you. I think part of that statement read like, you know, OU wasn't necessarily begging Caleb Williams to stay in Norman, but it was definitely a recruiting pitch on why OU is the best place for him. Uh, Me personally, guys, reading it and kind of, you know, taking a few minutes to, you know, kind of you know, I guess give a little more thought into it. I I think it was kind of embarrassing that of all programs out there, a place like the university of Oklahoma is issuing a major statement because of a player entering the transfer portal, which Adam, I thought you put it in the group chat yesterday. That's kind of unprecedented. That's something that's never been done before. Um, I know that Caleb Williams is extremely valuable, not just in the short term, Um, success of this program, you know, going into 2022, but maybe also three, four years down the line when you talk about recruiting and momentum going into the SEC. uh, I I just thought it was kind of weird that the fact that, OU would put something like that out there um, shortly after Caleb released his statement.
0: It is really odd, uh, especially as the timeline unfolded later in the day. We'll talk more about Dylan Gabriel in a moment, but it almost feels like that had already been done. So why even put that out there if you had another guy coming in? Um, it, it, I don't know. It just makes me wonder if maybe we are all reading the tone of that wrong and maybe we as fans took it wrong, differently than the university intended it. Um, but it's it certainly, as as more and more info comes out, it's starting to feel a lot like, okay, because Caleb Williams, as it stands, I think as of this moment we're recording on Tuesday night, he's not officially in the portal. So he's not having official conversations uh, air quotes there with any uh, particular schools at this point, he's just sitting around right. on vacation. So did he maybe get pushed out of OU because he hadn't made a decision at this point? Uh, that may be something we have to consider.
2: Yeah. I mean uh, obviously hindsight, we'll talk a little bit more about what's happened after he made that announcement. Um, it, the whole thing just seemed weird guys. It, it just, it kind of made sense because the whole day was weird. And like you mentioned, Adam, He's not even in the portal yet and we're, you know, over 24 hours later. So I'm not sure what to quite to think of it, but um, it's strange and it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, the repercussions, which we'll go into here in a second, but go ahead, Tyler, what were your final thoughts?
1: Well, obviously, you know, this kind of ties into with the news of Dylan Gabriel, you know, committing to Oklahoma just a few hours after Caleb Williams entered the portal or it put his name out there that he was going to be looking elsewhere. I I almost kind of wonder if, because Jeff Lebby has been hired on staff for the last two or three weeks, he's had you know multiple, multiple conversations with Caleb Williams. Obviously, we know he's been out to dinner with him a handful of times. So if you're Caleb Williams and his team, you had to know going into yesterday what Oklahoma's pitch was going to be. You know the track record at the quarterback position in Oklahoma. You know the passion of the fan base. You know the NIL deal that uh, the Joe C and Venables and the OU administration had laid out there in front of him uh, yesterday. And, you know, shout out to Eddie Radosevich, you know, kind of being uh, uh, at the forefront of all that. But it kind of seemed to me like Oklahoma went into yesterday's meeting with him yesterday morning. This is our best pitch. This is what we have to offer. You can stay at a place like Oklahoma. I know Lincoln Riley's gone, but Oklahoma was Oklahoma before Lincoln Riley was here. We put quarterbacks into the NFL, we've had quarterbacks win Heisman trophies, Jason White, Sam Bradford, before Lincoln Riley was ever mentioned in the same breath as Oklahoma. And it almost kind of feels to me like, oh, you went into that meeting yesterday, they made their pitch, and maybe they wanted an answer from Caleb Williams, like, hey, let's do this. And when he said no, I'm going to continue to look elsewhere. I'm going to put my name into the portal. It kind of seems to me like Venables and Levy kind of took that as, okay, well, we're not just going to stand off here to the side. Hold our breath and you know hope and pray that you're going to come back to us later. We're Oklahoma. We're going to do what we have to do for the long-term success of this program, and I think that's why you saw um, Dylan Gabriel become a sooner in just a matter of hours later.
2: Do we know an official number of what Spencer Rattler made through NIL? I don't. Think
1: I we do, do not no. know the the exact number. Um, no, yeah. I, I don't I think heard so.
2: Heard. I haven't heard anything, but it's got to I mean, be. It's got to be pushing a million, right?
1: You would think it's got to be close to seven figures, yes. Yeah. And without without knowing the official number, I guarantee you, Oklahoma came back to Caleb Williams yesterday and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do even more. That figure is gonna be even bigger than what Spencer Rattler had a year ago."
2: One hundred percent. So that yeah, the whole thing is confusing. You know, guys, if we're let's let's take all of it into play. So what we're hearing from the the Williams camp is this is a strictly quarterback professional development move uh, to prepare him for his long-term future. We're also hearing mixed reports now that it has nothing to do with that at all. So if we're going to take a look and just kind of give our best educated guess of where Caleb ends up and, um, you know, we've heard names such as obviously, the you know, I think there is a chance he comes back to OU, but you've heard obviously USC, Georgia, all of a sudden is popping its, you know, ugly head out there. Um, and I've heard Michigan. I've also heard Miami. Now, depending on where you look and the quality of your sources and things like that, you know, you're seeing all kinds of stuff about all four of those places. But guys, anybody outside of those <laughs> five, including OU, that you can see Caleb going to?
0: Yeah, I liked I liked your suggestion maybe a week ago or so ago. Uh, Corbin, uh, Maryland, um, being that's where he's from, yeah. uh, possibly yes. you know Penn State being regionally close there as well. But yeah, I don't, there's nothing there's none that really stand out as like the fit that makes a ton of sense. And maybe that's just because I I still haven't come to grips that he's leaving. But it, there's nothing that just seems like the rock solid choice right now. Well, and again, I'm gonna go back
1: to. Caleb Williams' statement that he put out yesterday, when talking about professional development being the driving factor in him making this decision where he's going to play college ball moving forward, you just go down and look at the at the list. Um, Georgia, not necessarily proven track record in terms of turning quarterbacks out into the NFL. If anything, they've screwed up more quarterbacks than not uh, over the last few years. Just look at Justin Fields. Um, Michigan, Harbaugh, it's been rumored he might be making a return to the NFL. What's what's Michigan done at the quarterback position? Yes, Harbaugh has been in the NFL. He knows what it takes to have elite quarterback play at that level. That could possibly be one. Penn State, I don't really know. Sean Clifford came back. He's going to come back for his senior year. Caleb Williams probably doesn't care. He could beat out Sean Clifford. Uh, Miami, I know that there's been some rumblings that we've heard that Joe Brady could possibly be making a return as the offensive coordinator there. Um, outside of that, guys, I mean, Ole Miss was one that, that I've seen being talked about across multiple platforms, but that doesn't make any sense at all when you've got the offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, the guy that was calling the plays for the Rebels last season. He's coming to Oklahoma. So if this is truly about professional development and putting yourself in a position to where you are absolutely ready to go day one in the NFL, I do not see any possible destination that is better than the opportunity that he has at Oklahoma right now. I just don't see. Look at the, look at the talent around him though, out at USC. I mean, that, that's a four five win football team last season. So I know that Lincoln Riley's out there right now, but I, I don't know. It just kind of feels to me like with the, with the amount of talent that's coming back at Oklahoma, if Caleb does decide to come back, you've got Theo Weiss, you've got Marvin Mims, you've got Jaleel Farouk guys coming back we know that they're going to make a splash in the transfer portal if this is truly a, a professional development decision oh use the answer and if he goes to an old miss if he goes to a georgia he went to the highest bidder no doubt about that whatsoever
2: i would be curious to see if kirby would make that move specifically because brock Grand vandergrift the number one quarterback in the country out of georgia i think that's the key point there yeah. out of georgia would he do that to, to a Brock? I, I don't know. I, that, that seems like a very stupid move. But when it comes to quarterbacks, I don't think anybody can claim that Kirby Smart's been smart about his quarterback decisions either. So I don't know.
1: Well, he might be pretty desperate if he loses to Alabama next week.
2: Well, guys, to, quit, to kind of shift gears here, you know, talking about Caleb Williams, you know, I think a big question is who potentially could be leaving with Caleb. Uh, The first one's obvious, Mario Williams. He's going to go wherever Caleb goes. That's pretty public. He's already in the transfer portal. I don't know about you guys, but guys, I don't see many others that are going to follow. I think Marvin Mims may be the only one that um, has maybe an outside chance to follow Caleb in the portal, but from everything he said kind of leading up to the bowl game it kind of feels like he's locked into the program at least from what we can tell. So Adam passing it to you, any other names you think could follow, not necessarily just for portal's sake, but specifically because Caleb Williams left. Caleb Williams left.
0: There's nobody that comes to mind. Um and it's good to hear Theo Weiss seem pretty excited about things uh, from his tweets yesterday. I think he's a pretty key piece going forward. Um the rest of the guys are young and really everybody that's left already is is already gone. So Um, There's not a whole lot of key contributors left to lose at this point. And I think we'll talk about Dylan Gabriel here in in like a couple seconds, but um, he'll be bringing some guys with him. It looks at this point. And so I'm not super concerned at, at this moment, knowing that, Hey, there's receivers out there that we can go get.
1: Yeah, I mean, whenever Lincoln Riley left and we kind of immediately thought that Caleb was going to be entering into the portal, one name that I thought was just going to be a given that was going to be tied directly to Caleb was going to be Jaleel Farouk. I mean, you're talking about a guy that is kind of a, a lifelong best friend of Caleb. You know, they they share ties to the same part of the country, grew up together, but and then it was kind of even more um, – I guess kind of sad whenever he had his breakout performance in the Alamo bowl against Oregon. But then we've seen today, he's kind of come out and said that, you know, it sounds like he's going to be planting his, planting his roots here in Norman. uh, And he's not going to follow Caleb. So maybe that is the Dylan Gabriel factor kind of coming into play that not just guys that are currently on, on roster here at Oklahoma, but I think you're going to see a few more guys in the transfer portal at the receiver position. They're going to say, Hey, there's some spots open in Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel is going to be there. I want to go catch balls from this guy.
0: Yeah. Like you mentioned with Farouk, it's good to hear that he's locked in, at least as of right now, especially after he flashed mm-hmm. in the Alamo Bowl. So I think it's exciting to see what he can do. And um, I guess we, we've hinted enough about it. Dylan Gabriel uh, has committed, at least at this point, to OU. And he changed from UCLA over to OU. So I guess barring any type of Caleb Williams miracle, he's he's staying here. Although it would certainly feel awkward if Caleb came back and he stayed too. I don't know how that would even work out less than like 5% chance in my mind of that even happening. So I'm not even going to concern myself too much with it, but um, uh, a transfer from UCF had some really good stats um, and played under Jeff Levy in his freshman year. Really uh, some, I guess some, uh, some really good throws against power five competition from the highlights I've seen so far and really seems to take care of the ball. Very low, you know, turnover uh, to interception ratio. So, some, some really interesting tools there, but still I think there are some concerns. He's a G5 quarterback moving up to the Power 5 level. But how are you guys feeling about his skill set coming into Norman?
1: Well, I mean, it's he's not Caleb Williams. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there right now. Doesn't have the same measurables, doesn't have the same arm talent. But at the end of the day, you go back and you look at the success that he's had over the course of the last two and a half seasons. You know, 2019 when Jeff Lebby was at UCF, his quarterback coach, his offensive coordinator, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Fast forward a year later, he had just a phenomenal 2020 season. 32 touchdown passes to just four interceptions. So his career ultimately, you know, it, it, it kind of came up short during his time at UCF, uh, breaking his collarbone in the third game of the 2021 season. He still had 70 touchdowns to just 14 interceptions, so the kid can flat out throw the football, and it's he makes really good decisions whenever he drops back in coverage. And, guys, I, I thought it was pretty telling, too. Once, you know, Caleb entered the portal, as soon as Dylan Gabriel made that announcement, Jeff Levy just kind of bursted onto the Twitter scene with the, with the hashtags showing his excitement level. You could kind of tell from that moment that Dylan Gabriel was a guy that Jeff Levy wanted from the get-go. Regardless of what was going to happen with Caleb Williams, when Jeff Levy made the transition from Ole Miss over to Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel was a quarterback that he wanted to have into his room. So I think that from a talent standpoint, he's obviously you know he's well-equipped to – ultimately lead this Oklahoma football team. I don't think he has as high of a ceiling ultimately is what Caleb Williams does at that position. But you're talking about a guy that, you know, he was a three-star coming out of high school, six foot, 200 pounds, kind of similar, kind of reminds me with some of his mannerisms to a Baker Mayfield. He's very Baker-esque. Um, undersized, scrappy. You can tell he plays with the chip on his shoulder. He takes it personal, the fact that he was kind of undervalued, under-recruited coming out of high school. So um, he's got two years of eligibility left, three if he takes advantage of his COVID year. Um, but I, I think, like you said, you know we've, we've seen the excitement level from some of the current players on the roster. The transfer portal is going to heat up, and you've got to think that there's going to be a lot of guys from the state of Florida or maybe even the state of Hawaii also that want to come up here to Norman to play with this kid.
2: Yeah, I was really curious, guys. On okay, UCF. I know they crowned themselves national champions, you know, a few years back. Let's be honest. Like the Saturday in, Saturday out, the the level of talent. Obviously, they're not playing at the highest level. So I went back and we tweeted this uh, out earlier this week as well. As far as you know, what do his numbers look like? Just a quick pause here. OU is down five with thirty three seconds to go in Waco. It's going to be a free throw battle. It looks like to uh, to round things out there. But, you know, to just look back, so we had uh, four games uh, in three years against Power 5 opponents, uh, Louisville in 2021, Georgia Tech in 2020, Stanford and Pitt in uh, in 2019, and, you know, uh, a little less than 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, about a 67% you know, completion rate. So the numbers are good. Are they phenomenal? No, they're not, but they're really, really solid. So, you know, if he can you know improve on those uh, in this Jeff Levy offense going up against – you know, better talent, but also probably having better talent around him than what we than uh, what he had down there at UCF. You know, the I think the expectation for me for this kid is is probably like a Big Twelve championship. I think that would be a healthy year one expectation. And you know, if you win the Big Twelve championship, you've got a, a chance to make the playoffs. So um, be really curious to kind of see how he fits in and how quick uh, you know he can get acclimated. In Norman, guys, something I wanted to send back to you just just I, this may not be quick, but. I don't think Caleb Williams doesn't come back because they got Dylan Gabriel. And I'm very curious to kind of hear your thoughts. I think we all agree whether we have crimson glasses or not. We think Oklahoma is the best spot for Caleb Williams. This doesn't shut the door on that, either of your opinions, correct?
0: It doesn't, but man, it would feel weird to go out, you know, transfer portal and flirt around with everybody just to come back and everything's, you know, fine and dandy. And Oh, we've got a new quarterback here. That's also buddies with the offensive coordinator, man, that would feel super weird. And I, I would feel bad for Dylan Gabriel at that point. Cause he committed, he wants to be here. He wants to be with his old coach and the other guy didn't necessarily right off the bat. He wanted to go, uh, who knows what he wanted to do exactly, but um, and then the Caleb Williams would come back. That would be, that'd be super weird.
1: It, it's kind of like dating a girl for a year. And then she decides that she wants to look around, see if there's other opportunities that are better than you out there. And she, but she says, Hey, I might come back. And then if she does come back, it, does it kind of leave a sour taste in your mouth? Are you going to be as willing to accept them back into it? I don't know. Um, it it kind of feels to me that I'm not going to rule it completely out that he doesn't come back to Oklahoma because I think it's the best fit for him. And you almost kind of have to wonder if the Williams maybe overplayed their hand in the way that they went about this over the last 24 hours. And now Dylan Gabriel, um, the OU kind of called their bluff. Like, okay, you're going to opt out or you're going to enter the transfer portal. Okay, we're going to go get this guy. Um, so I think that you know chances are probably, what, 20% that he comes back to Oklahoma. I don't see it happening. Um, but he's definitely not going to come back to – Oklahoma because Dylan Gabriel's here. Like that's just not gonna be a that's just not gonna be the case.
2: Would OU say no?
0: No.
1: Heck no.
2: Okay. You would you? I wouldn't wouldn't think so, but I mean like I think Venables is a pretty stand-up guy, and he I think he's like, okay, Dylan wants to be here and Caleb wasn't sure. And I I think think that's him.
1: I think that's probably one of my favorite things about what Venables is doing here because he's not he, he's not, I don't know if pandering is the right word, but he's not going to sell himself out. He's not going to, you know, roll out the red carpet for a kid. If you don't want to be here, that's fine. You know, Oklahoma's going to be fine regardless. And it kind of feels like, it kind of seems to me, and, you know, Teddy Lehman brought this up on the radio a little bit earlier. When Oklahoma has the defense rolling, when Venables, when he comes in here and he, you know, puts his footprint on this program, OU is not going to have to have the Kyler Murray running the offense each year. If you've got a solid defense, if you have a really good quarterback that can come in and execute this Jeff Lebby offense, you know th- there are a ton of guys out there across America that can come in there and do that job.
2: I'm not sure I see eye to eye on that. We, I mean, going into the SEC Championship, we thought Georgia had one of the best defenses of all time, and look what Alabama did with an elite quarterback. Yeah, I
1: mean at the end of the day, you I mean OU is going to have one of the top 5 or 6 elite quarterbacks, you know, once you get once you get I guess a little bit further into it. Obviously, you know, Dylan Gabriel probably is not the, it at that point right now, and Oklahoma is going to have to get there especially once they get to the SEC, you've got to have that elite quarterback play. But also at the same time, we talked about it, if OU has a better defense than what they had in 2017 or 2018, Kyler and Baker don't have to be as phenomenal as they were in those two seasons to win football games and win a championship. So it's definitely going to be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, if Gabriel comes in and throws up, you know, 95% of what he was or 90% of what he was at UCF with a, an improved defense, I, OU's winning the Big 12 championship. Uh, you know, so I'm not super concerned there. Um, if Caleb comes back, I guess that's a good problem to have. Um, but there's there's certainly a lot of other things that are still going on with this program outside of just the quarterback situation. Um, Tyler, where do you want to start here as far as coaching, other transfers, NFL declarations? Where do you want to start there?
1: Yeah, l- let's kind of touch on some of the NFL declarations that have happened over the last couple of weeks since we've recorded. Obviously, the, the big one is Kennedy Brooks announcing that he's going to be uh, declaring for the NFL draft. And, you know, th- this is a guy that. Um, when, when talking about the all-time great running backs at Oklahoma, I don't I don't think Kennedy Brooks is one that immediately pops into your head. Not when you've got guys like Demarco Murray, Adrian Peterson, Greg Pruitt, some of the other ones. But this is a guy that you know had three consecutive thousand-yard seasons, thirty-one touchdowns in three years with the Sooners, averaged over seven yards a carry in his career. I mean, that's just stupid good. That's unheard of, almost in. in Uh, the college football amongst running backs. And, you know, I'm not sure how he's going to test at the combine or how well his skill set translates to the NFL. But to me, Kennedy Brooks' two best qualities as a running back are his outstanding vision and his patience as a ball carrier. So I think that he has an opportunity to have a good career in the NFL. We'll see how that translates. Ultimately, it's going to be about the fit and what team drafts him and the offensive line that he can play behind. But just, guys, quick question to you. What do you make of Kennedy Brooks' career in an Oklahoma uniform?
0: Man, it's pretty awesome. Uh, he did it with three very different offensive lines. He did it with, you know, running quarterbacks and immobile quarterbacks and um, all sorts of different guys. So, I mean, he was Mr. Consistent across the board. It really didn't matter. He was constantly putting up the that insane yard per carry average that he had. And he did all, you know, he did all of it quietly. Um, he He didn't, you know, he wasn't a self-centered guy. He was really more of a team guy. He never thought of opting out of the bowl game. So, ton of respect uh, for me for what he was able to do over the course of multiple years, even sitting out a year. You imagine a guy gets rusty doing that. And no, he he came in and he was the best guy all year. So uh, huge props to, to Brooks.
2: Yeah. Tyler, a lot of what you said is what I had down my notes. I mean, just a total, I'm not going to say underappreciated, but definitely underrated uh, you know, as far as his time here in, in Norman, you know, a three time thousand yard rusher every single year that he took a carry. He you know got over a thousand yards that season, uh, never averaged less than six point three yards a carry. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, and just a strange career, like you mentioned, Adam. You know, having the the year to sit out, he looked probably the best he had looked in his career when he came back. Uh, which I think you know, going back to the past few weeks of what we've mentioned about this strength conditioning program, uh, probably says quite a bit. Uh, the fit's going to matter in the NFL. I mean, that's he he cannot um, you know put an offense on his back and you know just win ball games because he's that elite. I think he needs to be in the perfect system that has a good offensive line. Um I worry about his age a little bit, uh, you know, heading into the NFL. He's an older guy now, obviously, but kind of hindsight does that year off kind of put, uh, you know, a little more tread back on his tires, uh, you know, so he's still, you know, a three-year guy, but, you know, he had a year to really take off and, and recover, and I think it showed this year. So uh, excited to see kind of where he ends up. I, I wouldn't imagine he's probably any higher than, what, a fourth, fifth-round pick, probably at best in the NFL, you know, just based on what running backs are doing. He maybe even be lower than that just because there's – Unless you are the elite of the elite coming out of college, there's just low demand. Anybody can go find a running back. Uh, And so, yeah, we'll have to see how it all plays out. But, you know, excited to see where he ends up, uh, you know, in the draft.
1: Well, Oklahoma loses a running back to the NFL, but they're also gaining a running back in Demarco Murray's room. Over the weekends, um, they they picked up a commitment from Javante Barnes, four-star running back out of Las Vegas, Nevada, r- rivals two hundred and fifty kid, the number four running back in the country, um, committed Oklahoma over the likes of USC, Alabama, Florida State was also in on him at the very end. Um, and guys, we, we've we've talked about it so much, especially whenever we had discussions about Gavin Sawchuk. Talking about Demarco Murray, who I think has kind of unfairly gotten some some uh, some bad criticism, maybe in his job in two years as a, as a running back coach, but also as a recruiter. It was kind of it was very interesting listening to Javante Barnes in his interview with Josh McQuestion of Sooner Scoop talking about how the relationship with Demarco that was the difference. That's what put Oklahoma over the top, and that's why he's going to be playing his college ball in Norman. Uh, but just talking about a great kid, big frame, a guy that when you look at him on tape. J Schmitty is going to have a field day with this kid, getting him in the weight room, being able to kind of grow him, build him back up uh, to, to one of the elite running backs um, just in a uniform, the way that he looks coming off the bus. But that's a big-time commit for Oklahoma, and that's going to be good for DeMarco Murray uh, and a big need for them as well. Guys, we also um, – much like Kennedy Brooks going to the NFL, Mike Woods, wide receiver, he's going to the NFL. And we also learned today that uh, a second wide receiver in just as many days uh, is going to be leaving the program as Mario Williams has entered the portal. So Corbin, Mike Woods, Mario Williams, that's two wide receivers at a uh, kind of a position right now that's going to be very, thin, very thin for Oklahoma going into spring ball.
2: Yeah, you'd expect, um, you know, probably the portal to get involved with some wide receivers. I was a little surprised by Mike Woods. I don't, he doesn't have enough tape there to be a high, uh, round draft pick. I thought, you know, potentially could benefit him to come back for another year, especially with some of the guys that like Amari Williams, that is leaving, um, so kind of surprised there, but I think that's a guy that probably had his eyes set on spending one year in Norman and he was going to move on regardless of what happened. I think that's what we're seeing there. As far as Mario Williams is concerned, um, I think that was to be expected. He's going to follow Caleb wherever he goes. Uh, but just to kind of circle back, I mean, all of a sudden, guys, as far as the, the running back position goes, between saltchuk Barnes, Gray, potentially Marcus Major coming back, I think we all hope he will. All of a sudden, guys, that's a, it's a room that, you know, doesn't look quite as thin as it used to. Um, and so you probably expect another portal guy to be there, but yes, going back to the wide receiver position going to be thin next year, unless we add some bodies here in the offseason.
0: Yeah. And there's already been mention of a UCF freshman that might transfer alongside Dylan Gabriel. So I'm sure it'll be another guy or two behind him and, there'll be tons of catches, tons of carries, um, up for grabs. Um, no pun intended, but, um, a new offensive coordinator, position coaches are relatively the same. Uh, Gundy. I I assume is coaching the receivers. I don't think we've heard official word there, but, um, the, the new offensive coordinator is not going to play favorites, you know, or or know nearly as much about these guys. Um, he'll just be looking for the best, you know, best man up. And so it'll be a a really key time this spring for some of those guys that, you know, want to make their mark and make a move and, Um, get some some playing time and um it'll be tough to learn all these new names and numbers because it'll be completely different almost across the board
1: yeah and as we're recording the podcast OU men's basketball just fell 84 to 74 to Baylor in Waco um Sooners lose by 10 but they do cover the spread so uh Mm -hmm. Kind of a small moral victory for Porter Moser, a team that you know had three guys that we didn't necessarily think was going to be uh, a part of tonight's game. Um, but that's that's not a bad. You don't want to take away moral victories, like you don't want to make the best out of a loss. But you go on the road, number one team in the country, and you stay within you know eight to ten points all game long. That's that's a good. That's something that Porter Moser's team can build on as we move closer into to conference play. But guys, I do want to transition over here. We do have uh, another coach that, that Brent Venables has added to his staff, um, Todd Bates. Coming over from Clemson, uh, who is now in his role at Oklahoma, is going to be the associate head coach, co-defensive coordinator, uh, and in charge of the run defense. So, Corbin, um, I've got a lot to say about Todd Bates, but just kind of kicking over to you. Um, This is a big-time hire for Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, huge. Uh, And it's a guy who we thought was not possible to get, not possible to pull from Clemson. Uh, And so a big pickup there. And really, I think the easiest way to kind of just – Inform everybody who doesn't know how good he is and want to give credit where credit's due. Josh Calloway from SI Now tweeted out every play, primary starter under Bates since 2014, going back to Jacksonville State, has earned at least one all conference honor. Um, that's hard to grasp mentally, mentally how good that is, but this is a, uh, a a beast not only of a coach but also a recruiter whose track record speaks for himself. So uh, should see a nice little bump up in what we're seeing on the D-line play, and uh, that position will be in good hands going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, no kidding. Uh, the dude has put up some some absolute beast in that defensive line position, a much-needed spot for, uh, for OU. My concern more or less is – can he still recruit when he's further away from a lot of those guys? Yeah, there's a few in Texas, but the vast majority of, of the, the absolute you know monsters that he was recruiting, Atlanta, South Carolina, Florida, North Carolina like mm-hmm. but we're much further away from those you know really talent rich areas. We can get skill positions for days in Oklahoma but um, to get those war daddies on the line, that's a lot tougher. So we'll see if he can pull some of those, those guys uh, from that southeast.
1: I think that Todd Bates jumping on board and becoming part of BV staff. I think that this is as big of a hire as Jeff Levy is uh, as the offensive coordinator. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's been with Brent Venables going all the way back to, to 2017 with Clemson, you know, Bates was the rivals recruiter of the year in 2019, you know, ultimately led him to becoming uh, one season later the director of recruiting for Clemson. So he kind of, you know, led the charge and, and was, you know, a key contributor to the 2020 class for Clemson and ultimately ended up being number 1 in the country. So this guy knows how to get it done. And we talked about losing Andy Hansen to to USC. Not, who, who's going to fill the shoes and kind of be in charge of the uh, the recruiting department? Kind of got your answer here with Todd Bates. It looks like he's going to kind of lead the charge on that. And guys, just one more stat thrown out about this guy: three of Todd Bates' defensive linemen at Clemson in 2019 all went in the top 17 picks of the NFL draft that year. I mean, that's just stupid. Corbin or Adam, you talk about the the talent and being able to bring over the big guys to a place like Oklahoma. It's definitely doable. Venables was able to do it back in the early 2000s when Bob was here. If if he can if if he can. Just get one or two guys to start it out, and we can show the progress that's being made at Oklahoma, get Schmitty in there, uh, change the culture, BV coaching defense, Bates leading the charge in recruiting. Uh, I think that this is a home run hire for for Oklahoma, and I, I cannot wait um, to, to see what this is going to look like. This staff right now, obviously time will tell, but I think that the staff that Oklahoma has in place right now is better than where we were
0: two months ago. Is that fair to say? I think there's certainly a lot more balance to it. I mean, it's not just star quarterbacks and receivers that don't get developed. It's, it's going to be across the board. You know, you have to feel good about nearly every position recruiting at this point. Um, The only weak spot that you can really pinpoint is Ted roof, maybe the linebackers, but we know that dude has relationships all over the Southeast and, and that position group is where our head coach specializes. So that's not really a weakness in, in a sense. So, yeah, you got to feel good about just the the balance of recruiting wise where this can go. Um, uh, there's still a lot of questions. There's a lot of unproven things that need to be seen on the field to make me feel completely comfortable. But yeah, I, I like where this staff stands.
2: I feel the same way about it as I thought. You know, when Venables was you know made the hire as the head coach, I think the ceilings higher. I also think the floors lower. And so I feel the same way about the staff as a whole right now. And that's kind of where it's going to sit until we start seeing some on the field performance and a lot of transition. So we're going to see, you know, real quick come August, September of next year, you know, just how quick this staff can pull it all together.
1: One last thing on the coaching staff uh, before we transition on talk a little bit of national championship uh, pre- pre- national championship game. Um, there is one more coaching position um, that OU has not made an official announcement on, and that is the cornerbacks coach. Um, also, you know we had a report that came out yesterday. It sounds like Jay Villay, uh, the the corners coach at University of Alabama, it sounds like that's who Venables is narrowing in on. It sounds like he ultimately will be. Uh, the, the hire for for BB staff and, you know, guys, you, you know how I feel about that. I think that's a phenomenal hire. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But in terms of recruiting, this is an elite recruiter with deep ties to the state of Texas. He's coached at Alabama under Saban. He's coached at Georgia under Kirby Smart, um, Kansas City Chiefs, Texas for a year. He was all Big Ten uh, uh, defensive back at Wisconsin, team captain. This guy knows football, and he's kind of a, a bright up-and-comer uh, in terms of not just a coaching uh, a coach, but also a recruiter as well. So, uh, Adam, national championship game rematch of the SEC title game, Georgia
0: Alabama. Early thoughts. My goal is to not watch any of it um, because I I hate SEC rematches. Um, the previous two times we saw an SEC all SEC national championship game, I did not watch the first one at all, and the second one I didn't watch until it actually hit overtime. So. My care level is is pretty darn low um, for this particular game. I uh, there's really no one that I want to root for, and even though OU's joining the SEC, I've been you know very outspoken that I'm not a huge fan of the SEC. I, I don't think I ever will be. Um, I'm you're never going to catch me rooting for someone else's team just because of the conference they're in. So this one is is a tough pill to swallow for me. I. I guess I'm pulling for Bama just because I don't want Georgia to rise up and become an, another unstoppable force, which they kind of already are at this point on the recruiting trail. So uh, I, I guess I feel good siding with uh, Nick
2: Saban on this one. I just want to make a quick note that, uh, you know, <laughs> going back to last week, uh, you know, both of you picked Michigan to be a national championship game. Uh, there was one of us that picked Alabama, Georgia. So just a little point in Corbin's corner to uh, to wrap up the year. It's hard to pick against Bama, right? Like, George has been here. It seems like every single time they go up against Bama, like Bama just puts them in their place. I would love to see it happen. I would love just for something different, um, you know, for that. But, guys, it all comes down to Stetson Bennett, right, that he is the key to what happens in this game, and he probably needs to put up 35, maybe 40 to win this game. I don't know if he can do it.
1: I mean, Kirby Smart, he's 0-4 against Nick Saban. Most recent loss, 41-24 to back on December 4th in the SEC title game. There is, To me, there is so much pressure on Kirby Smart and George on Monday night. For Bulldog fans, it's almost kind of put-up-or-shut-up time. I mean, if you can't do it now with the roster, with that defense, it's probably the, one of the best defenses we've seen in college football, how can you realistically trust Kirby Smart that he's ever going to get it done? So. I think that this will be a, a different type of game than the, the one that we saw up in Atlanta and, and Corbin Euthanel on the head. To me, it comes down to the quarterback play. Bryce Young versus Stetson Bennett. On paper, it is so lopsided, it's it's not even fair. I mean, you just go back and look at what what Bryce Young did in the first matchup. 421 yards, three touchdowns. I, I don't know what I'm going to get out of Stetson Bennett. If Stetson Bennett from the Michigan game last week shows up on Monday, Georgia's going to roll. I think I feel confident saying that. That's a double-digit win for Georgia. Kirby Smart will get his first national title. Um, One thing that I think is going to be kind of interesting is the matchup out on the perimeter with Alabama's Jamison Williams. He did have seven catches for 184 yards, two touchdowns in the first matchup. But, guys, he did all of this while sharing the field with John Mechie, who at the end of the game tore his ACL for Alabama. He's not going to be available for the Tide. So, for me, and we'll just kind of put a bow on this and we'll get to our predictions, I think there's three keys for Georgia in this game. Number 1, don't give up the big play. Jameson Williams downfield, Brian Robinson toting the rock, keep everything in front of you, make Alabama go the length of the field. Number 2 is third down efficiency on offense for Stetson Bennett. Georgia was 3 for 12 in the first matchup. That's not going to get it done when you've got Bryce Young on the other side on the other side of the field. And then lastly, Corbin, you you said it. What Stetson Bennett are we going to get? Are we going to get the one that showed up in Atlanta that threw two picks against Pete Golding's defense, or are we going to get the guy that played with confidence and lit Michigan up uh, a week ago? Um, I thought that he played his best game of his career. Um, That was a fantastic performance. If that Stetson Bennett shows up, I like Georgia next week. Um, But Adam, throwing it over to you, man, Uh, just give us a quick prediction before we get out of here.
0: Yeah, I can't pick against Nick Saban. Uh, no matter how good Georgia looked against uh, Michigan, so I've got the uh, the tied thirty-four Georgia thirty. I think that it will. I mean, it has to be a lot closer um, than the, than the first matchup. But I just don't mm-hmm. think that uh, Stetson Bennett can reproduce that performance, and specifically the Dogs' offensive line giving up zero sacks to Aiden Hutchinson and that that talented Michigan defense. I don't think that they can replicate that, and uh, and I don't think that. Setson Bennett will be fortunate enough to be playing with the lead throughout the game and have like, you know, zero pressure on him to actually put a drive together. So um, I got to I got to roll tide here. Yeah, I
2: uh people forget George was up ten nothing in that SEC championship game. How quickly that game turned. I think this is probably pretty similar. I think Georgia gets out early, um, but give me Alabama 38-31.
1: Nick Saban is twenty-five and one when coaching against former assistants in games. So Georgia has the better team overall, but I can't pick against Nick Saban for some reason. He's got Kirby Smart's number, and I think that that's going to continue. I think this will be a little bit lower scoring game, um, which probably means it'll be forty to forty-five. Uh, but but in this one, I'm going to pick Alabama to knock off Georgia, twenty-seven to twenty-four, and the Alabama dynasty rolls on.
0: It's unanimous. We'll see if we're uh, we're right. A week and that's week a today. big time
1: win for Texas A and M. So <laughs> huge!
0: Congratulations, A and M, and the rest of the SEC. Uh, so <laughs> we uh, Keep we riding will, those coattails, guys. <laughs> that's true. We'll talk a lot more SEC as the offseason continues because uh, that's the future home of the Sooners. But uh, until then, we appreciate everyone that's listened. And if you made it this far, absolutely uh, make your way over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star review. Let us know that you enjoyed this. Uh, and then also give us a follow on Twitter at the mainline pod. Uh, tons of fun stuff going on there. So we really appreciate everyone that's been following us there and also uh, subscribe to the pod as well. So uh, that'll do it for this week. And we will see everyone again on another episode of the mainline podcast.